Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. Well, Mr. Smed, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I'm, uh, I really enjoyed uh, coming down. To, I got to say, and I was saying this to Rhythm, having a chance to tour your facility of the of the energy in your building was, was palpable. It was, I was quite excited. I think I was on a little bit of a high all day after coming down and visiting your facility. So thanks for, thanks for meeting with us and setting up the tour and agreeing to come on the show. Well, fantastic. Well, don't forget the business is always the people. That's where you get the energy. And you guys had that in spades. How many, and you, you threw some numbers at me the other day. We'll let, we'll let, let the audience in. I'll do a little bit of intro after, but I'm talking with Mogan Smed and about his new business, Falk Built. And I had the opportunity to come down and tour and we're going to talk about Calgary. We're going to talk about economic transformation. We're going to talk about innovation in Western Canada. But first of all, maybe give us a little bit about what's, what's Falk Built all about? How, you know, how's it been? You guys are fairly new on the scene the last couple of years, some great growth. Maybe let us a little bit inside the, inside the tent here for a minute. Well, first of all, Falk Velvet is nothing more but a re- recent iteration in uh, my own business life. You know, uh, uh, they, uh, we started out when we came to Calgary in 1952. My father was a cabinet maker. We started out in the cabinet making business. And then my brother and I started a business in the, in the, in the 70s and went bankrupt in 82. Started another business in 82 called Smed International, uh, uh, which was primarily focused on modular furniture until 1993, where we got into uh, interior modular construction or modular partitions, and that business got sold in 2000, and then we started a company called Dirt uh, in uh, February 1st, 2004, and uh, uh, they, uh, uh, in our last year, we did uh, 356 million. uh, the, the board didn't think that uh, we didn't think we could grow the business anymore. The board thought we should continue to could grow it more. And so we had a disagreement and they, uh, they fired me. So, um, you know, uh, like my wife said, you know, no matter how dumb you are, Morgan, sooner or later, you'll get it right. You know, but <laughs> the point is, is that they, um, the, the, the point is, is that it's kind of evolved where we're at. You know, we've always been big believers in building something offsite and then bringing it to the to the job site. My father had a rule that would say that if it takes 15 minutes in the factory, it takes three hours in the field. And uh, and, and and that's what we've grown in our business, that we do uh, projects much, much quicker, you know, uh, on-site by having things prefabricated as opposed to doing them on-site. Now, and a city like Calgary is a, is a graphic illustration of it. Most of the energy companies here in Calgary use those type of solutions primarily because of the speed of construction and then their ability to adapt in the future. Interesting. So the concept that you, you and I chatted the other day and it's something I've heard before, the construction industry, I would say oversimplifying famously has not been innovative and been the same way for a long time. But when I hear you use the word modular, even back in your original, back in the eighties using the word modular. So that's something that for you is always just clearly made sense to focus on it that, on that way. And has it been an uphill battle, like trying to show, trying to sell a new way of doing things into an industry that's famously done it the same way for a long time? Oh, of course it is. And, and uh, to be clear, what we're doing now isn't modular, but modularity has been around since 1915. Sears made kit homes in 1915. Yeah, and, and I think I've seen those old, old one-page ads. Yeah. Well, we have a great example of modularity right here in Calgary with what ADCO has been doing for the last 
30 or 40 years, making mm. modular structures. So modularity definitely has its benefits, and I'm a big believer in it. Even I'm a big believer in what dirt does today, although I'm not there anymore, because modularity has its place. Uh, unfortunately, modularity is not in alignment with the construction industry. It's not specified in the conventional architectural and engineering tools. Uh, it's called Revit by uh, an AutoCAD. It's not in alignment with the way the general contractor builds space, stick-built space. And lastly, modularity is, is a compromise. It's either a compromise because it can't meet the criteria, the specific design and engineering criteria, or it's not cost competitive with conventional construction. So what we're doing this time is we're digitizing the conventional construction industry, which is a market 20 times larger than the modular industry, and one that's in total alignment. The software that we're using, we call it Echo, is an alignment. It works directly together with the Rabbit software. The process for installation and, and construction is identical to conventional construction. And most importantly, it's very, very competitive with conventional construction. We're seeing that already. And is that, is, you know, you said a couple of things there that really land for me in terms of, is that, it just, you, you know, it's been around since 1915, but yet conventional construction in the architectural industry has been slow or resistant to adopt it. Has it just been the fact that one, they don't feel they can have the level of creativity or is it just been a cost barrier up, up till now as things like, are, sounds like it's becoming more viable yeah. from a cost perspective? Well, it is definitely, it's, and I'm adamant, you know, we didn't sell 356 million at dirt because by getting them all misty-eyed about how beautiful our stuff was, it was absolutely competitive, especially right. in healthcare, right. you know, uh, but having said that, having said that, it's just not the same. And, and remember, the one thing that's true in life, nobody likes a new idea, especially if it's a good one. And somehow, you know, the construction industry never likes new ideas. It's just now that they're really recognizing the need for, you know, we call it digitizing by default. You know what I mean? We now are an industry where just like you and I are communicating, you know, over Zoom, you know what, you're no longer going to see, you're not going to see. 15 people in the freight elevator, you know, because of the virus, certainly currently, you're not, you're not, you don't even have the traits. We have to do it with technology. And that's exactly what Falk is doing. So interesting. So we were on the path, would you say the last kind of four months and obviously the virus, you know, on a global stage, has that just accelerated the path that from your perspective, we, we quote unquote already were on or should have been on? Has, has, has this been a good thing for disruption in the, in the way we, way we just, I know, do everything, but specifically yeah. disruption? Yeah. Uh, absolutely, it has. There's good and bad in all of this. First of all, the pandemic isn't good for anybody, you know what, because yes. it's certainly slowed. It's delayed our, you know, uh, movement, move towards profitability. Uh, although we continue to be very active, you know, in, in the quotation stage, we don't know when and if some of these projects are going to happen. Uh, uh, all of our successes, quite frankly, have been primarily in healthcare. We just won a project for 632 rooms in a hospital in Kuwait here this week, you know, but it's, but the, uh, that part is slowed down, but absolutely now we're being forced, whether we like it or not, kicking and screaming that we've got to come up with technological solutions for in the construction process. Just do, and it's, it's, it's rampant right now. (sighs) That's yes, which every industry, you know, I've seen there's a joke floating around the internet, you know, who's responsible for, you know, digital transformation at your company, CMO, CTO, or COVID-19. And we all know that it's been COVID-19 in the last, the last four months. <laughs> the, Chris, Absolutely. The, 
That three hundred fifty-six million that you did uh, in terms when you guys hit kind of your that high water mark when you were there. How much of that business, like obviously you were you had a global customer base. I'm assuming that the majority of yeah. that revenue was coming from outside of Calgary or even outside of Canada, for that matter. Oh yeah, uh, I, I'd say eighty-five percent came from the United States. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Any yeah. of, you know, because part of the whole root of this podcast is really talking about economic transformation, what's happening in Calgary, you know, what we've been going mm-hmm. through, you know, you've been in the game in Calgary for a long time, the last five years, you know, the oil and gas, you know, structurally being changed, thinking about innovation for you being a company that's, you know, a leader who's always innovated in, but yet you've stayed in Calgary. Has there any been ever roadblocks to you of being in Calgary or has that been a, has that been a strength to you of being positioned here? Well, first of all, uh, uh, anyone that doesn't recognize Calgary is a very entrepreneurial city, mm-hmm. you know, and, and quite frankly, you know, uh, it, the, the local market has been so good to us over the years, you know, I would never have, be anywhere else. No, with our last company at Dirt, we had factories in Savannah, we had factories in Phoenix, uh, we had a software comp, uh, office in Salt Lake City, and we had an electrical factory in Kelowna, British Columbia. So, you know, just because, again, we were using technology just like this time. We already have a showroom in, in Dubai. We just shipped a showroom to Jeddah. We're going to have a showroom in Mumbai, India within three months. You know, technology changes the whole darn game. We're uh, going to yes. have micro factories yeah. in Toledo and Las Vegas in the next two years. So the, the whole t- the whole game has changed, but headquarters will be Calgary, Alberta. It's wh- uh, we have a software company, Echo. We have 14 people working for us, but the people that are writing code, they're in Poland, they're in Denmark, England, rather. They're in New York City. They're in Florida. So technology changes the whole darn game. So for you, it's never been a barrier. Like the, the Calgary has been the strength, not the weakness in terms of talent, because you guys have always sound like embraced talent from everywhere, but still that, you know, the, it sounds like your heart and your soul well, is, ba- is still based in kind of in what makes Calgary, Calgary. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and also, honestly, uh, a lot of the people that are here, you know, of our 200 and some people, uh, 50 of them came from our previous regime. You know, it's an indictment on their intelligence that they continue to coming wanting to work for me. Uh, but the point <laughs> is, is that, you know what, we have an excellent team of people here in Calgary and, and quite frankly, worldwide. So it doesn't sound like there's ever been a challenge for you because I'm always trying to understand because there's a lot of the, the headlines like to talk about everything that's going wrong. So I always like to address that, but talk about you know how companies are able to adapt. So when you think about Calgary and you've been part of this ecosystem from a business perspective, what's your perspective on like, you know, we're in this transformation. It's a buzz. It's a buzzy term that gets thrown around. I guess, you know, what's, what's the city doing well? What's this, what can we be doing better? Kind of anything, any call outs that you want to say like, Hey, the city's really, really helping itself here, but you know what? We're kind of hurting ourselves here. What's on your radar? Well, first of all, you know, look at companies like Don Taylor and engineered air. My God, they've been successful all over North America or ATCO, what they're doing. And there's mm-hmm. other guys sprung, struck, uh, sprung what they've been doing. They just did the, you know, the Blue Horizons building for Bezos in Seattle. They did the Tesla factory in, in uh, Cupertino, California. They did the SpaceX factory down in, in uh, Austin, uh, Austin, Texas. They've done things. They did the, the structure for the World Trade Center when it went down. There, did, there was the Anatop was coming into Calgary daily delivering structures over when the Iraqi war broke out. And they're yep. all made in Calgary. So we have lots of, you know, it's just the will that we need. That's all we need here is the will. 
So what, so what, yeah, open that up for me when you say, when you say the will from a municipal perspective, government perspective, just individual investors, like what, what where's oh, that wow. will not showing up? Well, you know, a, I, I, I won't deny it. Like this time in particular, it's been extremely difficult to finance our business because, you know, first of all, the overall economy here in Calgary, hmm. uh, certainly a negative attitude coming from, uh, how can I say it? If, if I watch one more TV program, you know, about what's going bad, you know, and, and, and not thinking about how are we going to get through this thing? If you're going to be in business, you have to be a long-term thinker. You can't sit there. Nobody is going to shove dollar bills up your butt day one. You know, you have to be, you know, you have to have a goal. <laughs> You know what I mean of of, yep. of getting to the business, and and then we got to survive through these type of events, you know, and uh, and and we also have to be proactive in these events. It's a time to prepare to get ready. We like, for instance, we have we've seen more quoting activity since March fifteenth than we have in the previous six months. You know, now sooner or later, a lot of that's going to turn into business. A lot of it. That's interesting. You've you seen know, a big, a, a big increase in quoting activity globally since the start of the pandemic. Even that's yeah, because you're right. Sooner or later, just by the law of, of numbers, those will some of them will fall through to work for sure. Yeah, and 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 the and that's the way construction is. Often we'll price something like we priced this one that we got in Kuwait. We priced it nine months ago. You know, and it's just now that they're awarding it to us, and we won't start fabricating it until September or October. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's. They, that's the that's the name of the game. If we're chasing work, when we chase work anywhere in construction, we have to get in. You know, be, uh, in the early stages of the design and uh, design process, we call it. You know, pre-construction is what we do. So when you're out there on the world stage, being in Can- being from Canada, being from Calgary, is that a value proposition? Is it, you know, I've heard the, you know, what's a Calgary kind of concept. You know, you've talked about a lot of companies that are doing a lot of great work abroad. Like, is that, is that a strong, is that a calling card for you to be Canadian based or, or, or Calgary for that matter specifically? Don writes the biggest corporations nice. in the whole world are here. You know what I'm saying? I brag on it. And I tell you, this is one thing, you know, uh, I really miss having people at Brinkman. And we bring clients and we bring them from all over the world. We've had the Deputy Minister of Health for Saudi Arabia here looking at the Calgary South Hospital with us here. We've had them from all over the world. We've had Google here. We've had Apple here. We've had Netflix here. We've had them all here. And, you know, we're, we're, we're proud to show them what we have here in Calgary. Very proud. No, and it's uh, smaller companies, I guess, you know, thinking about this innovation ecosystem and you're being an, you you, you guys are innovative. You have the track record. Because what advice do you give smaller companies that are maybe just in that ideas phase? They're looking to get things going. To your point, maybe they're having challenge in raising funds. Like, do they need to look abroad? Like, again, thinking about this, the next generation of innovation and the next generation of small companies that will become larger to have an impact on our, on our economic, on our economy. What are your thoughts? And like, is the infrastructure there to support these organizations in their, in their growth? Oh, no, it absolutely is not. You know what I mean? Okay. You take yeah. a look at, you know what I mean? I was talking to a young man here. Uh, he's, uh, he's got a business, an entrepreneur. Uh, uh, and he said, uh, he asked me, he said, what's the best advice you can give me in, in my business? I said, my best advice is, I said, do not spend any time worrying. Only focus on the vision. Don't worry about whether you're going to run out of money because you are. Don't worry about if you're going to have challenges because you are going to have challenges. Focus on the vision. It's the only thing that'll get you through. It's absolutely the only thing that'll get you through. Versus versus down in the what did you said to me the other day? Nothing kills a sale like the details. 
Oh yeah. Oh my God. But, uh, but the point is, is that, uh, and we're in a, we're in a very, very, in a business and an imperfect business are my father's guaranteeing it. Uh, and it's the same one for us today is that we tell a client if they're not 100% satisfied, they can have the whole darn job for nothing. However, if it goes perfect, we have to charge you double because we're in construction, you know, and things don't go perfect yeah. in our business. Yeah. And how, uh, and how, I guess how often have you had to pay one and however, and how often have you been able to cash in on the other? I, number one, they never, it never goes perfect. And number two, never had to pay because, you know, the point is next to a divorce, losing a client is the most expensive thing in the whole world. We make them satisfied no matter what. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's, there, there's the, there's the quote of the day right there. Make them satisfied. It's, it's <laughs> expensive as a divorce. So when, when it comes to, when it comes to funding, any thoughts on, like you said, it's a challenging market to raise money in. You know, I had some, I had some, I've just had different, uh, tech startup entrepreneurs like saying like, listen, like we, there's money out there, but you've got to leave Calgary. There's only a very small percentage of the money that is here that's comfortable in this innovation, that's comfortable investing outside of the traditional oil and, oil and gas space. Like, do you run into that? Is that an area where we need to maybe start getting more educated and think of things differently as an investment community? Yeah, I, the, 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 the disadvantage of, uh, 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 it's great. We will take any, any support. We got great support from the business development bank, okay. you know, and all that. But, you know, uh, and I would say the good thing about that type of funding is it's not politically driven. You know what I mean? If you know what mm -hmm. I mean, we've yes, got I other do. things yeah. in, the, in, the, in the city and in the province, you know, and uh, candidly, you know, there's a lot of, you know, politically driven uh, motives in doing it and, and all that. And, and, I, and that's not to malign them. That's just the way it is, you know, and uh, it's too bad because, uh, you know, for instance, I'll give you a good example. When Mayor Klein, when Klein was the mayor of Calgary, he visited our factories at least two or three times a year. I've never even, Nemshi not one time has walked into our dirt factory or into our, 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 our this factory here. You know what I mean? So, you know, that tells you something when the so-called leadership of the, the city isn't interested in it. How can you possibly say that, you know, that it, it, these things aren't politically driven? Especially for a company like ours that is proven successful out there in, in, the, in the worldwide market. Well, I think you mentioned the other day, I think Jennifer, one on your team said you guys have hired 200 people in the last, in the last 12 months. Like I've not seen that in the news anywhere. I've not, that's a pretty positive headline that I haven't come across without actually hearing it directly from you guys. So if, if you're not having the conversations, how are people supposed to know the good things that are going on, which is half the point of the show is getting people to see well, businesses in yeah. Calgary that are doing well. Well, Tyler, I have to say, uh, you know, uh, I, I would say if, if, if nothing else, I think we have a pretty high profile in this market here. You know, we're out mm -hmm. there in the market and, and, you know, yeah, we were six people February 1st last year and now we're 205 people, you know, and, uh, uh, growing the business and, 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 you know, and, and plus it's, we don't, the last thing we can be do is bragging about a business that's not making money yet or, you know, but it's, on, <laughs> I appreciate on, that. No, yeah, you, yeah. yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, but and, and and I always find when people are taking too much press or or speaking too much, you know, there's an agenda there. We we I think we're very good on our social media, mm -hmm. uh, and I think um, we definitely are. Uh, there's a market awareness. The jobs that we've done in Calgary here have been very successful. I want to be very clear: we haven't taken one single account away from our existing our old company. We are not competing with our old company. We're in a completely different arena. 
and, and we could walk into any one of those accounts and we would not because we're the ones that convinced them to buy the other solution. We're not going to come in and say we've got a better widget. You know, if they come to us, that would be a different story. Right. But it is, it is, it's like you, you, you solve a similar challenge, but with a different product. Again, when you say it's, when you say it's like to, from the outside, it's easy to think it looks similar to be, to, just to be, to, to use my ignorance as a question, yeah. but clearly talking to you, it's a different, you know, digital versus modular and some of the terminology, I guess, from the process, is this just your evolution of you've just learning and doing it a better way? Mm-hmm. Not to over, not, not to, not you to minimize what? that at all. No, our whole company, our, what we, the reason we were able to grow the modular thing is we digitized the, the modular business. But remember, when we started there, the, you know, it's called, it's a software debt that you have. When we started, there was no such thing as an iPhone. There was no such thing as the cloud. So the software just wasn't scalable, right? And it wasn't compatible with the industry standard, which is Revit, okay? I can tell you right now, if we had the software that we have this time or the, uh, and our, our, our whole program for DIRT was sustainability and we were faithful to that. We gave clients something we could add to them. We, it, and, it, and every one of those projects, they have a multi-billion dollar account base out there, right? So it obviously is working and it's still working today, whereas ours is based on, you know, aligning, alignment with the industry. The, you know, being right doesn't get you the business. The opportunity is 20 <laughs> times larger, 20 times larger in the conventional business than it is in the modular business. The software, uh, if we had today, uh, in 2004, when we started Dirt, if we had this idea and the software that we have, Dirt, Dirt would be a two or $3 billion company today. That's, that's the way it is. And by the way, this company, Falk, will definitely be a billion dollar company within six or seven years. No question about it. So literally comes down to the technology has just allowed you to do things that you weren't able to do 10 years ago because the technology that, wasn't there or 15 years. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, and, and we call it standing on the shoulder of giants, being in alignment with the industry, you know, you know, competing in the industry, not competing with the industry. Well, right now, I mean, in the past, Calling on a developer would have been calling on Satan when we were at Dirt because <laughs> the developer well the dev- the developer only cares about three things cost cost and cost right you mm-hmm. know I'm sorry and I have a lot of developer friends I apologize to all you guys out there that I said that but you know you got a business to run you know what I mean so now we're able to go to the developers I won't use the name but we just did one for uh, a developer who. Uh, is a very successful developer, but when they step on top of a dime, they can tell you whether it's heads or tails. And we just did a very large job for them up in the north part of the city, and they brought us into the opportunity. So that tells you, uh, you know, how completely different we are. I never would have done, tried that with our old company with Modular. Never. Uh, interesting. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you maybe to a different category uh, in terms of we've got a we've got a provincial government that seems very hyper focused on the oil and gas industry and you know maybe rightfully or wrongfully so it's been a key driver of our economy. Any thoughts from your perspective as you know obviously a businessman in Calgary who's not working directly in the oil and gas sector? Any thoughts on kind of provincial or municipal government level and where we're headed and you know how we balance off the the role energy will continue to play in the city versus the required you know, addition of other industries to kind of balance things out here. Any thoughts on that overall? Well, look at that. You, when you came into our factory, you saw our, in the middle, what we call the Falkness, where our offices are going to be. Mm-hmm. Why in the hell did we have to bring the wood 
from Switzerland. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. we have trees. We have we have trees in Alberta. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And they came from sustainable forests in Switzerland. We have no sustainable forests in Alberta because the politicians can't see past their four-year term. You know, mm. it takes 10 or 15 years. You have to be a long-term thinker. I think about on the north side of Calgary, you weren't even born when this guy named Don McKay was the mayor of Calgary, okay? And he put trees up on the north side, up on the rivers, up above the river there on the north side. And those trees... They came because Don McKay had them planted there back in the 1960s. You know, that's long-term thinking. You know, uh, would our politicians think long-term here in Alberta? I don't think so. Uh, that's the old joke. When's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? But if not 20 years ago, how about today, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, and that's why when I bought a house, I'm 72. When I bought a house, the trees already had to be old before I built on the lot. That's for darn sure. <laughs> you just didn't have the patience or, or, or timeline to wait for them. <laughs> so you, yeah. you, you mentioned the four-year cycle, you know, I've had, that, that feels it, it, like we're building, we're baking the problem into the system. You know, I guess, how, how do we get past that? Because you're right, if everyone's thinking about getting in, then they get in and then they mitigate what they said they were going to do or not, then they've got another year and then all of a sudden they're planning on like, going back to fight for the next term. Like that doesn't create that long-term thinking that you need either in a municipality, province or in a company for that matter. Well, I look at it this way. Uh, the government, uh, not lot, the Ontario government has been much better on solar and wind than Alberta has, you mm -hmm. know, and all that. But if, if the government would participate with industry, you know, the forestry industry for building these sustainable forests or, or uh, solar or, uh, or, or wind or any of those things. And by the way, uh, there's arguments for and against all of this, so I'm not yes, getting up on yeah. <laughs> the pulpit talking about that. But the point is, is that you should the government should create programs. Look at look at Tesla. You know his that rebate that you got was one of the things that drove his business in the very beginning. You know, and there's an example of government participating mm. with industry, and you know, and and quite frankly, it's good. It's because of Elon Musk that all the other. Uh, automotive con uh, 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 companies are now getting into electric vehicles, right? Some, somebody forged the path and they, 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 they created the right incentives that stimulated the right behavior, right? You always look at cause and effect. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you think that you think that for one second that uh, the Chinese government isn't supporting uh, Elon Musk and Tesla over there with the new factory they built over there. You can stake your life. They are, mm, you know, yeah. So is from, for your perspective, if you, know, if you were going to you know, pick three things that like, you know what, if we could do this, this, and this in Alberta, that's going to help pave the road or that's going to set us up for that 10 or 15 year future versus the next, next six months. And what, you know, what would you, any, any thoughts, what's on, what's on your list of like, man, we need to do this, this, and this, and things would be different down the road. We, we really do. There's, you know, it's, it's a sad thing, you know, uh, because there's so many businesses uh, that, you know, you have a great idea, but what it costs to get that idea to reality, to make money, whether it's getting out and getting the business. Like one thing we're lucky because we already have the reputation, the experience and the relationships. We have 52 regional distributors who are putting in showrooms for us at their cost and selling on our behalf. What would it cost to set that up? Or if you're right. talking about developing software, yeah, developing software, you know, nobody will look at you, even no matter how good your idea, until you can actually generate some, uh, some revenue and show that it's scalable, right? And it's a dangerous business. You might be doing something and someone that can be doing something as close as them is just wearing the same thing, not as good. They get to market first and they win. You yeah. know, it's a risk. 
that you have. But you know, you uh, there's we see it all all the time. You know that we just got to somehow be able to support those people. You know that want to do it. Like right now, my whole thing is I. It bothers me when I see people would rather stay at home and get $2,000 a month and go to work. I think there's something wrong with that. They would be far better off. And by the way, I will step tell you straight, the Canadian government has been very good to us in supporting us through this thing because we've had to stay open. They really have been, you know. And, and uh, by the way, so is the U.S. government with our U.S. employees. They've been good to us, too in that regard, but they've given the money to the business for, to incentivize us to keep the employees. When you give the money to the people, there's no incentive for them to come to work. Right. And that's a dangerous situation. Yeah. It creates, it creates two about, different, two, what, two very different outcomes, right? <laughs> yeah, and what about, what about these mom and pop pizza shops? Don't you think that maybe you'd be better off giving that have been in business for 30 years and have gone broke, that you give them enough money to get started again. Landlord gives them a break on six months on rent or something. Wouldn't that be better deployed than, than, uh, you know, throwing money at, at, at people, you know, that aren't employed. I mean, that's crazy. I know it's a controversial subject right now, but I think, you know, now that we've run this thing out for a few months, we're going to start, we're starting to see the implications of some of the, of some of these moves. And I don't fault the government because everyone, as a friend of mine says, you know, you don't fault someone for the decisions that were made during the battle, but afterwards you need to yeah. look back and go, Hey, yeah. let's learn and let's make different decisions. And I think we're, we're running headlong into that, right? Like right now in the next couple of months is things are going to, we're, 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 ex we're extrapolating the graph out a little bit more now. Yeah. But you know what, Tyler? The uh, businesses don't fail because of the mistakes they make in the bad times. They fail because of the mistakes they make in the good times. Hmm, you know what I'm saying? And that, yep. you know, well, it's, you know, and uh, right now what we're doing is that we might be making some mistakes in the bad times, but it's, it's because of the things that we didn't do right in the good times. And that's all the overall thing about diversifying our economy. You know, it's taken this finally, you know, this will see the reshaping of our economy. There's no doubt about it. It will. On a provincial or like, I, I know, like, again, municipal, Calgary, but you know, federally, I think that this is going to have impact because you're right. During the good times, there's not any motivation to change, right? Because everything's going well. Why, why, would I, why would I flip over the apple cart when I don't have to? Well, I was there uh, last night. We had a company from in here that they're dealing in this uh, uh, fireproof uh, 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 cladding system, you know, and uh, it's a company from Grand Prairie together with some Calgary people that, you know, and they are, and they're already, they're just getting started right now and they got funded a little bit and they're going to, and they're already, they're, they're moving towards business. It'll take them three or four years to be profitable, you know, and they're going to have to bootstrap it to make it go. That's just the way it is, you know, and are they, they were they, very were viable. Yeah. Are they a pivot? Oh, like, is that a company that's pivoted from, are they, is that a response to, or were they already in that market pre COVID? I'm just, I'm really impressed with how many companies seemingly have pivoted very, very quickly in a short period of time from a certain skill set to then like, Hey, what if we took our application and applied it over here? Well, they, what, what's happened is, is that they were, they were, uh, uh, the, the principals were with another company that, that didn't take it in the direction they felt was right. So they're, they've actually gone together with an established company up in Grand Prairie and bringing this together. And by the way, there will be another company that's been, you know, that uh, also has been very successful, Plastifab. You don't even know who they are, nope. you know, and they're very, success, very successful and they make uh, 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 
uh, e uh, expanded polystyrene, you know, right here in Calgary, very successful company, right? And, and they're working together with them in coming up with solutions for the cannabis industry, for the agriculture industry, for fireproofing your homes, all of these things. It's, it's a tremendous idea. We were sitting there fooling around the back case of beer and some blowtorches testing it last night in our parking lot. <laughs> now that, now that sounds like a great way to spend a Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a case of beer and some blowtorches. Oh, you're taking me back to my, yeah. my farm, my farm, my farm days where there, there wasn't much that couldn't yeah. be solved with a set of torches, a grinder and a, and a good sledge. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you look around Alberta, kind of what, what industries are on your, you know, you mentioned ag, you mentioned, you know, everyone talks about technology as an industry where really technology is kind of an underpinning for so many things. What's on, what's on your radar? You know, we talked about oil and gas a little bit and then the, you know, let's just call it energy on a broader scale. But what other, you know, obviously the ag industry is a big player in Western Canada. That I think a lot of people yeah. don't, don't necessarily have on their radar. Like, again, what, what do you see when you look out there and think about what gets you excited about the future? Well, I absolutely feel that we, we need, there's all kinds of opportunity, you know, and we're, and we're there, uh, the Chinese are eating our lunch as it relates to uh, technology in the wood industry, in the wood fiber industry. I mean, we've been fooling around in that for the last 40 or 50 years. We got to get serious there. I mean, that what they're doing now with formaldehyde-free products and all that, why in the hell do we have to bring it from British Columbia or bring it from the U.S. down in uh, Columbia Falls or something? Why can't we have that done right here in Alberta? That's ridiculous that we can't, you know. The forestry, you know, do you know, like, it, yeah, like I don't even understand. Like, I'm going to prelude my ignorance. The, I don't even like the forestry industry. Never even comes up for me on any of the podcasts with any of the guests. Like in Alberta, is it essentially non-existent, or am I oversimplifying with that statement? It's as close as damn as to swearing non-existent. Okay. I mean, you okay. take a look. A company called Katerra just built a big uh, uh, mass timber factory down in in Spokane, Washington. You know, uh, they've never been in the business in their whole damn life. Walmart just bought uh, uh, the uh, uh, heavy timber factory in Penticton that's been in business since the 1960s, you know, so. Interesting. And Walmart, it, it, and Walmart just yeah. bought it. Hmm. Yeah, well, because they see the advantages, you know, Ikea, yes. in, 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 Ikea is making homes, you know, with, with timber, right? You know, wood. Wood is the product of the future. If you want to see, you want to see the only hundred-year house in all of North America. Come and see our home out here in Duinton. You know what I mean? If, if you can't burn the house. It's made out of wood. You can't burn it. You know, it's a totally. Uh, it's mold. No, no, at no chance of mold. It's it's one hundred percent manufactured. Believe it or not, in Switzerland, because we could bring it over from Switzerland way better, way less, and way faster than we could get it anywhere here in, Al in uh, Alberta, Canada, or North America. Which seems fundamentally like there's some, that, that sounds broken when you say it out loud, that you had to bring something from literally, no, not, not almost, but almost the other side of the world, and it was still more cost-effective than capitalizing on any of the resources we have, even within a couple hundred mile radius of where we live right now. And you want to talk about pivot? Those factories in Switzerland, they used to be sawmills. Uh, and then the yeah. sawmill business, and and then they got involved in technology, uh, computerization, and in sustainable forests. And their their business is booming, just booming all over the world. They're shipping all over the world. And that would you have know, been, the, and, and that, yeah, and that would have been probably what twenty years ago they would have made that shift. Twenty, like even more. When did the sawmill industry? Uh, when did uh, that uh, kind uh, of die? Uh, 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 
of, well, about 30 years ago, but they just got into technology about 20 years ago. The entire new Walmart campus that's going to be five and a half million square feet is all going to be done in heavy timber. And all really? that heavy timber wow. is going to be made. It's going to be made in Arkansas. It's going to be made in Penticton. And it's going to be made in, in Spokane, Washington. Uh, I mean, and, and, you know, the Atco building, for instance, here in Calgary, they have heavy timber in the, in, on, on their structure for some god-awful reason. They didn't have people that know what they're doing get involved in, like us. Okay, they had somebody else do it, but <laughs> nevertheless, that's my, that's my shot at them. We'll hold that against them for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful building. It's beautiful, you know, and I like to see it built that way. That's for darn sure. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I, that's, I think that's, is that the building over on, uh, on, on Crowchild? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah it's, it's quite yeah. a stunning. I remember when it was going up, just like it was actually yeah. more beautiful during construction than it almost was during the finished product because of the, the, the large scale timber that they were using. I remember driving by just being kind of in awe. It almost looked yeah. like an art, art installation for a little bit as they were building it. Yeah, and that, I don't know whether the whether the timber came from it either came from Edmonton or it came from Penticton there though, but it was did come from Canadian factories. I know that. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll give them we'll give them a slight break on that in terms of in terms of yeah. at least the, from yeah. that perspective. It's interesting to see yeah. here that you know wood is the wood is the is the material of, of the future. That's just not something you hear out there. You know, it feels like we were going so much in a different direction with synthetics, and but to hear now wood and being used, but the, the, like everything underpinned with technology and how we use it and how more efficiently and sustainable it can be and long term. To your to your point of not these wow. throw these throw this throwaway construction mindset. It's, 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 but it's, there isn't a piece of a, a tree that doesn't get used now. Even yes. the insulating material, even it's called a Pavitex, even the insulating material is recycled sawdust and all that. It's amazing what they're doing with, with technology. And we have it all here. We just don't have an appetite for it, hmm. you know. Yeah. And do you, and do you see that changing? Like, is it just a matter of people don't know or they're not, inter- or they're not interested? <laughs> It, it, it has to change. Uh, one of my, uh, I don't know, for some reason, one of my prouder moments is I got to speak together with Elon Musk at the Tesla factory. And oh, he spoke about far, far bigger things. But, but I spoke about next to food and water, where we live is going to be our greatest challenge. Hmm. You know, and, yep. uh, you know, and, and, and also I have a 36-year-old uh, uh, son that's on his fourth house. What about if he had a, got a good one the first time? He wouldn't have needed to buy the other three. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, but unfor- ver- but yeah. un- unfortunately, our, our, the developers are faced with huge costs for their line costs, the infrastructure costs. So by the time they build a darn house that could be affordable, you know what I mean? They just don't have the dollars in it for the long term uh, for a building, those type of uh, a buildings, you know, you just don't, yes. you know, the, 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 the material cost is literally double what it would be in a conventional construction. I totally get that. And I, by the way, I'd say that if you take a look at uh, for people in Calgary that haven't seen what, what uh, uh, Jay Westman is down there in Westman Village, down there in Mahogany. It's absolutely fantastic what they've built down there. Absolutely yes, fantastic. I've, I've, I've seen that. That whole community's yeah. got a lot going yeah. for it, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, hey, I, yeah. We're get, I'm getting a message here from your team that we need to wrap it up. You're a busy guy, so I don't want to keep you on the line too long. So yeah. last last question I want to put out there. You know, I'm a big, the, the whole point of the show is collisions about colliding together, either ideas or unknowns or people. If you were going to take 
two different industries in Calgary that could learn a lot from each other. It could benefit from getting in the same room and going, oh, wow, you've already figured that problem out. Maybe I could use it over here. Who would you, uh, who would you put in the room to, uh, to kind of, you know, learn from each other, for, for, force them into a room and lock the door? Well, again, I, I, I keep looking at uh, companies like uh, when we did the, uh, when we did the Peter Lougheed hospital there, guess who was involved in it? Sprung was involved in it. Engineered was involved in it. Engineered Air was involved in it. And we were involved in it, you know, and you know what I mean? We put up a facility there and, you know, Canada was the general contractor and Stantec was the architect. And, and quite frankly, we show what we did here in Calgary, Alberta with these companies. We did it way faster than any other place in the whole, all of North America. We did it way better. And now what we created is re, it's going to be moved to the Alberta Health Services deciding where they, I hear they're thinking about moving it to a permanent structure and reusing everything in the Calgary South location, you know, or, mm, or what we, right. so, I mean, I, so you saw, you saw a mechanical company, you saw a, a sustainable building company, stru, exterior structure company sprung, and you saw us on the interiors, you know, being able to do something together. And we are working together just so you know, with sprung right now in developing a technology, we call it echo dome, where uh, here in two weeks, we're going to demonstrate one of their structures with over, with over 100 ICUs in it. Uh, and we're going to do it in a virtual uh, to a client over in, uh, in Kuwait. Yeah. So I, I took a look, I watched the video. So literally you can show up using technology and virtually tour from anywhere in the world and everyone be in the facility at the same time using that technology. The client is going to be walking in the, walking in the structure, walking through the rooms. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. love the, I love the world of opportunity that's opened up because of technology. Last, last question. And it's my curiosity getting me. So do you see like, you know, talking about your relationship with, you know, mechanical and with engineering and with sprung and do you see that as, as an opportunity to even differentiate on a larger global scale to come into a, to a pitch or a presentation or to respond to an RFP with a bigger, broader solution of these companies coming together and being able to do better work as, as a whole versus as individuals? Like actually, could you, no does it give you a chance to win the business? No question. I mean, take a look at EH Price, a guy named Jerry Price in Winnipeg. Less Less than 10 years ago, they were a $180 million company. Now they're a billion dollar company and all they make is mechanical systems. They did the entire mechanical system for the space, uh, the spaceship for, for Apple, you know, and <laughs> you know, they, you know, so there's an example of a, a Winnipeg based company. He tried to move part of his operations to the U S and he moved back to Winnipeg with it, you know, because it was more efficient in Winnipeg. He does have factories in Atlanta. He's got one South of Phoenix and he owns aluminum factories, but that's an example. Here's a guy in Winnipeg, Manitoba, for the love of God, with probably no local market. You know what I mean? And yep. look what he's been able to do, you know, so we can darn well, we could do it here. I sure. abs yeah, no I absolutely question. agree. And I, I think that that's, those are the stories that need to get out there because it gives, it lets people realize that there's, we've got a lot more going for us in Western Canada or specifically Calgary or Alberta than, you know, unfortunately the negative headlines towards the internet injury industry that are every day, you know, and that's, that yeah, was the goal exactly. of today's show is just give people a peek into your world and what you guys are all about, and what you're working on. And as well as hopefully leave people a little bit inspired that uh, we've got a great road ahead and let's not, let's not get, let's not let the details kill us and let's keep the vision. Let's keep the vision well in hand. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Tyler. Mogens, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you, sir. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye.